This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We thank everybody for uh, tuning in. J-Doc, I feel as though we're starting to build and starting to assemble this radio following of the Labor and Energy Show. I know last week I got a couple of texts from a buddy of mine who was listening to uh, the show here in Philadelphia on Talk Radio 1210. He was making his way home from the Jersey Shore, uh, tuning in to the show, and for the first time made a reference, hey, I agree with J-Doc right now. <laughs> so really interesting in all seriousness. Sure. That was a great call. That was a great text for me to be able to get that. Yeah, well, you know, Joe, it is, you know, it, it is awesome to be reaching the masses, number one. Number two, um, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, conversation back and forth um, is... Uh, really, it's it, it's important, and it's not typically our you know our normal conversation. I mean, this you know, typically you know on our labor shows, we're, you know, we talk about issues that are purely democratic in in, in, in the political uh, forms. But what we're talking about here, labor and energy, it's it, it's not political. It, it's it, like we've said before, it's this is a bipartisan issue that affects everybody in the United States. And abroad, and it's so exciting to be able to bring it to everybody uh, on a weekly basis. Yeah, no doubt about that. I want everybody, to your point, in the United States to at some point listen to uh, the Labor and Energy Show. Let's jump right into it again. Our format has been able to be bring influential people to the conversation, people that can educate, people that can share their knowledge about what we're talking about here on the Labor and Energy Show. No different today. Three great, three great guests uh, kicking us off here in the opening segment. Uh, we'll start with a fantastic guest, and we'll run all the way through over the next 60 minutes. Absolutely. I'm ecstatic to bring in uh, to the broadcast from Monroe Energy, Adam Gattuso, who is the government affairs and communications leader, who's, by the way, no no stranger to our broadcasts, but this is the first time he's uh, appeared on the Labor and Energy Show. Adam, how are you, sir? Hey, good evening, Jay Doc and Krause. How are you guys doing today? Well, we're doing great, man. Um, you know, we're excited about a, a lot of the things we're going to talk about. One of the things, and, and the primary thing we're going to talk about with yourself is, um, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of misconceptions about the refineries. Uh, you know, the, the, the stereotypes that you know, the, you know, the, it, it's it's a purely corporate situation. A bunch of rich people that don't care about, they only care about getting richer. And and in fact, uh, nothing can be farther from the truth. And the impact. And the commitment that, let's, for example, Monroe has on the community on a daily basis is not only a major, but it's a priority. If, if you would, um, let, let's start off with that. Talk about the commitment, uh, because this is a giving back segment. This is about uh, refineries and labor giving back to the community. Talk about that and, and, um, and what it's about. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, even before I get into that, I'd like to thank you both for, for putting on such great shows. I've been listening and you're covering some great topics and topics that are really important to everybody's daily life. So I appreciate you you're bringing it to, uh, to the region and hopefully beyond. Um, yeah, you know, this is, uh, it's, it's kind of a culture that is so great to be a part of. Um, I've been here about nine years um, we all spend so much time, you know, inside 
uh, the refinery. Um, and I've never seen such a, a giving uh, culture. Uh, folks here, you know, they take care of each other, not only inside the fence line, but at Monroe, we really believe that our responsibility as a company extends far beyond our fence line. And, you know, we, we always ask ourselves, if we lived in the community in which we operate, how would we want to be treated? And then that kind of becomes our, you know, focus and approach in all the things that we do. And we absolutely believe that investing in the community helps build a stronger community. And that's time and resources. You know, it's amazing because when when uh, we were in the middle of the, you know, I guess Joe and I got in, involved in the in, in the situation in Philadelphia with the PES uh, refinery and, and, and how absurd that situation was um, in regards to, uh, you know, why they shut it down. What, what we found, Joe, and if you'll recall, was that the community around it, okay, in the, and in Philadelphia was completely supportive of the refinery and the impact that it, that it made on the community. It was outside entities that were coming in and, and really making all the noise. And unfortunately, uh, we were playing catch up and the people were not educated on the impact uh, of the community, the people that were getting beat up, they were they were uh, they were feeling it. Of course, the the, the businesses around it, the employees, um, the entire community, uh, all knew. Uh, in regards to the the workforce, all knew about you know the giving and 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 how great everybody is was there. But the the the, the general public as a whole did not understand that. Why why do you think there's a disconnect there? That uh, that people don't understand, you know, from from not only a job standpoint, but an economic standpoint, and a philanthropic standpoint, um, what the refineries um, mean to the community. Well, look, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, prior prior to being here, I was actually in in the governor's office uh, when three refineries announced closure and, and uh, I saw the devastation of what happened to the local community uh, when the refineries weren't, weren't operating. Um, when it came to local, uh, you know, taxes and school district taxes to economic infusions into the community, that was all gone. And, you know, there were times when we as a state government were looking in ways and how do we, how do we support a local community that now pretty much lost, most most of everything. Now being on the inside, I can tell you the main things that we do, and I want to focus really on the positive. Sure. Is you know how do we make our how do we make our community better? And our philosophy here, Mara, we, we we don't we just want to be good neighbors, uh, have great relationships with our community, and do the best we can. And um, we don't need to seek credit for that because the folks that we're working with in and around our communities know that we're part of the community. As I said before, we spend a lot of time here uh, at the plant and whether it's, you know, local meetings or, or charitable events, um, you know, those are the things that we want to do without seeking, you know, uh, you know, major notoriety for that because it's important to build stronger communities. You know, one of the things, you know, maybe I can, you know, that we're really, really proud of, um, when we, we came here to Monroe, we, we started, um, uh, an annual golf outing, and we really focused on, you know, one charity that we would support each and every year. And it was a combination between, um, you know, our vendors, uh, our friends at the building trades, all participated in our yearly golf outing. And um, pre-pandemic, we decided to make it a more uh, robust event. So we decided to actually expand it to, to three charities. So, you know, for example, last year, we supported three charities. And, and our focus for this event is really focusing in three specific areas. One that's really geared towards helping kids and young adults, one that's geared towards helping veterans, and one that's really, you know, human interest and a charity that's really just doing great work in their own community. So, you know, last year we were able to support the Travis Manion Foundation, uh, which is a uh, helps veterans uh, in and around the region and, and actually on the East Coast, the Boys and Girls Club at Chester, um, who just does unbelievable work uh, for kids uh, in the city, and in the Headstrong Foundation, which provides uh, support and resources for folks and families that are seeking cancer treatment. And 
because of the generosity of our team members at Monroe, friends at the building trades and, and our vendors, you know, we were able to give each charity $60,000 to help out with their, with their mission. And that's all because it's such a giving culture and it's just, it's wonderful to be a part of and, and people just want to get together and give back because it's important to them. Adam Gattuso from Monroe Energy joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show. Wow, you'd do the math pretty quickly. Even a dumb guy like me can figure out $180,000 of contribution. More importantly, even then, the money of the 180000 is the effect, Adam, Absolutely. that that money mm-hmm. will have. The lives that are changed there are layers of lives that will be changed uh, because of that. A hat tip to you uh, and to the team, Adam. Well, well done, um, and thank you for sharing that. I, you know, I'm a guy who appreciates a lot the ability to use a platform or use an opportunity to change lives, and I think it's a great. I think it's a great example. Uh, you, you know, of how J-Doc even started the, the segment talking about uh, community. Well done, man. I and, really, and bef- really appreciate it. Before that. you answer, Adam, Thank I, I, I want to say something. It, it, Joe Krause and I literally started the, the labor show in Philadelphia. One of, the, one of the reasons we started it was because labor has the same sentiments, but we're just as bad at promoting ourselves in regards to the, the things that we do. And as a result, a lot of times people don't understand the heart that labor has, the heart that energy has. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to educate the public and the listeners uh, from, from a wide uh, base to let everybody know what you guys are about, because it's so important to the community. And that's why, obviously, we appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, well, well thanks, for, thanks for the opportunity. Like I said before, it's just... It's an unbelievable culture of, of giving. And, and look, I, I, I think the way you had referenced it a little bit earlier, uh, you know, I, I would encourage, you know, everyone there, you know, get to know those, get to know, you know, the, the, the companies in your, in your area. You know, if we never wanted to be that, you know, facility behind the gate. We want people to know that we're part of the community. And I think it really is a two-way street. So, you know, I'd encourage every, every listener to really kind of build those relationships. And, and, and what you'll find is that there's a lot of, of, of great companies, uh, labor across the board, that is just doing tremendous work in and around the community that never, never seeks notoriety for things they do. They just have a passion for giving back. Adam Gattuso kicking us off here on the Labor and Energy Show from Monroe Energy. Adam, great stuff, my friend. Appreciate you uh, jumping on. Uh, Keep listening uh, to the Labor and Energy Show. Uh, We're going to continue to push forward. We're going to continue to educate. We're going to continue to... Um, proclaim uh, some of the good work that's being done in the community. Well done until we change the narrative. Um, opening segment here of the Labor Show. Um, as we get into the commercial break, I urge you to keep that your ear right to that dial and listen to Did You Know? JDoc and I will return on the other side back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know that natural gas with carbon capture and storage ensures a more stable and cost-effective energy supply than renewables alone? Did you know? First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. 
And back here on the Labor and Energy Show, thank you very much to Adam Catuso, J-Doc, from Monroe Energy, kicking us off. Really one of the untold stories about the impact uh, that energy companies make, the workers that are employed by the energy companies, the amount of revenue that goes into a community. Uh, just well, well done. Appreciate Adam very much. It was a good opening segment today. Absolutely, Joe. We're taking a holistic approach towards energy and educating the communities and changing the narrative, not only from one point of view, but but from an entire uh, point of view, so people understand about the companies, about the technology, and of course, uh, about what it, how much of a commitment and a uh, impact it makes on the community and the country. And I'm ecstatic to bring into the program John Hours, uh, who's an executive vice president at Turner Mason Company, premier energy consulting company, um, with offices in Dallas, Houston, and London. Um, Mr. Hours is a well-known and respected industry analyst and advisor. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing great here on the East Coast. Um, lots going on, and you know we'll we'll, we'll get right into it. Uh, one of the things, uh, you know, we, we just have so much hitness at once here. Times seem good in refining at the moment. However, it wasn't long too long ago that the refiners had to take on massive debt in order to survive the pandemic. The U.S has also uh, seen 1.2 million barrels per day of refining capacity shut down over the last two years. At the same time, there have been some, you know, been some refining capacity additions at foreign refiners that could result in fuel being exported into the U.S. in the near future. Can you give us a brief overview of your outlook uh, for the global refining sector and the competitiveness of, of U.S. refiners? And then, you know, after you know, after we touch on that, uh, can you can you hone in on your outlook for uh, the remaining East Coast refiners specifically? Yeah, uh, great questions. I, you know, times really were tough for refiners in the U.S. and really globally uh, as a result of all the uh, uh, pandemic shutdowns. But right now, I'm actually very bullish, uh, especially on the competitors of U.S. refineries versus our global competitors. Yeah, that's assuming government policy doesn't handicap them. That's, of course, a big if, uh, especially considering the negative attitude of the current administration towards petroleum. I could make a serious case that the U.S. refining industry is the biggest success story in the U.S. manufacturing sector over the last decade. You know, it's allowed the U.S. to go from being the biggest importer of refined products to being the largest exporter of these same products in just that same period. Uh, this is all while, while continuing to fully supply domestic demand efficiently, even during major disruptive events that we've seen over the years, like hurricanes, freezes, and the pandemic lockdowns. Really, of all the U.S. industries, I believe it is really the most globally dominant uh, this fact is especially important during these times of global conflict. It's been a godsend to our NATO allies in Europe, as U.S. refiners are playing a critical role in allowing them to replace lost Russian supplies and fine products. Yes. As far as East Coast refiners are go, they're seeing improved results, uh, and, and our outlook for them is pretty bullish right now after, after suffering more than any other regional refining sector in the last decade. Five refineries equal to over 55% of the total refining capacity in the region has shut down since 2010 as a result of several competitive disadvantages, many, many as a result of government policies and regulations. Much of that lost supply has had to be replaced by Gulf Coast refineries who operate in a much friendlier regulatory environment and also by Canadian and European imports. I do think that the remaining refineries can survive and even thrive Again, if state and local governments and federal governments don't pile more burdens and regulations on them, assume we don't forecast any additional. And, and if I assume that, I don't forecast any additional closures over the foreseeable future in the East Coast. Yeah, John. I mean, it's it's why not just shoot ourselves in the foot? Um, one of the and what I mean by that is what you know you, you just explained. Um, you know, we, we we've we've. Uh, energy independence that we have here in the United States that we've worked so long and hard for. And of course, um, in record time, we're doing everything we can, okay, to, to uh, you know, give it back. And I, one of the points of the show is to educate the general public on the importance of it. One of the things I get a kick out of, and I'm really being sarcastic when I say that is, um, you know, I, I wonder... <clears throat> Uh, you know, the, the, the uh, far-left environmental movement, if they show up at the ports when we're getting imported um, products uh, from outside the country, 
Uh, I don't think they do. And, and, and so our, our job is to educate the general public. Who doesn't know? Because I, I look at myself as the general public. Even though we're a labor community here um, and we have jobs on the line, none of us wants to destroy the environment. People don't really understand. Talk about what people, what people don't know. Um, you know, you know from, from a layman's standpoint, um, in regards to um, the importance to, to being able to manufacture these products ourselves and that we need them anyway, whether the current administration or any administration or the far left wants to shut them down or not. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's always better to, look, to manufacture things locally, uh, even from an environmental standpoint, transporting things from far away. Uh, you know, that consumes a significant fuel and, and significant emissions are, are created. Uh, certainly, the jobs factor is a very important one. I'll add that one of the reasons I mentioned that the U.S. refining industry, uh, you know, throughout the U.S. is really the most competitive and efficient refining industry in the world. Uh, it's very complex to run a, to build and run and operate a refinery efficiently is very complex. Uh, you know, other most countries in the rest of the world aren't able to do that efficiently. There are a lot of failures, particularly in Latin America. Allowed the U.S. to become a prime supplier to the Latin American market, uh, and part of there is, is, is a workforce. You, your labor show, I say, the U.S. workforce that, that works within the industry is the, the best refining workforce in the world, and a key component of, of the U.S. refining competitiveness. And so, again, keeping keeping businesses at home uh, is, is good for for jobs. It's good for the environment. Uh, and it's good for national security. I mean, the refining industries around the world are a key component of your domestic and national security. It's been, uh, you know, being self-sufficient in energy has been a, a key theme in global conflicts around the world, uh, in, in his, historically and even looking forward to the future. I mean, what, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine actually points, uh, you know, it emphasizes even more that Europe's dependence on Russian energy uh, has been a key reason that Russia has become so so blatant in their aggressiveness towards uh, towards other countries uh, uh, neighboring them. They felt confident that Europe was just going to stand by because they're so dependent on their energy. Now, U.S. as I mentioned, uh, us being energy independent, actually being an exporter of energy, is allowing Europe to to stand strong on that uh, during that conflict. So there's a lot of aspects to keeping energy production, uh, refined, refinery production at home that are very beneficial to the U.S., to U.S. public, to individuals like ourselves. Uh, just, just so many aspects that make it critical that we support uh, uh, our energy industry here in the U.S. John Hours joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show with Jadoc and Krause as we roll along uh, on the big show. One programming reminder, we'll be right back here again uh, next week with another edition of uh, the Labor and Energy Show. You know, John, when I, lit, I listen to your message and I listen to your answer and your dialogue uh, happening here in real time with Jadoc, I wondered to myself, um, based on all of those obvious statements of success, why we don't get it. And when I say we, I mean the public. And I'm not being disrespectful to the public. I just don't understand why we can't wrap our arms around understanding. And you're talking about the general public, Joe, not the far-left environmentalists. Yeah, that are I'm, making just the the I'm just talking about the general public. Yeah. What's your thought on that, John? You know, I, I think I think a lot of the, I'm, I'm actually surprised that, that a lot of the people I talk to, just man on the street people, people I see in church, people I see in tennis courts and basketball court, anywhere I run into them, uh, a lot of them understand it, uh, but, but there's some that don't, and, and a lot of that's coming, I think, from from the press. You know, uh, oil's bad, it's dirty, it's it's terrible. You know, we we can easily convert to. Uh, cleaner uh, uh, sources uh, like uh, you know drive EVs and and, and get uh, wind power and, and energy from the sun. Those all sound neat and great, fantastic. And uh, but but there's they don't understand the the roadblocks and impediments and, and really the impracticality of a lot of those sources of energy. Uh, and and again, a lot of it's come because they're reading uh, you know. <laughs> 
I mean, I hate to use the term mainstream media. That's sort of a cliche, but sure. you know, the mainstream media doesn't understand it. And in some cases, maybe they have an agenda, you know, and, uh, and sometimes I don't know if they really understand um, what, what the factors are. But the, the, the key fact is the U.S. has been given, uh, you know, by, by being able to figure out how to efficiently produce light tide oil over the last uh, 15 years uh, and moving from being an energy-dependent country to being an energy-independent, even an energy-dominant country, that, that was a key part of the uh, economic boom prior to the COVID pandemic lockdowns. And it, it will be a key product in our uh, recovery. And it's going to be a key product in our economy going forward. And by artificially putting in, putting in regulations or policies to shut down uh, something that we're advantaged in, which is oil production, oil refining, is, is terrible. Uh, I'd say here up in the Northeast, one of the biggest things that, that gets me is, you know, you're sitting right next to the biggest uh, source of natural gas mm-hmm. uh, in the North America and the Western Hemisphere up there in Marcellus, uh, in, in exactly. Pennsylvania, down into West Virginia. And, and you're, you're sitting on that. At the same time, they don't allow you to build pipelines to supply uh, the, the markets. And you're importing, you're importing Russian natural gas. It's unbelievable. When you got, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, I, can't, I can't understand no, it. Let me jump in there because we have Dave Callahan coming on the show in the next week or so. And, and that's, you know, you, you mentioned something, uh, you, uh, the, the media, the mainstream media. By the way, it's the reason we do, we're doing the show. Okay? Dave Callahan from Marcella Shell. Yeah, Dave Cal- yeah, right, the CEO of Marcella Shell. One of, the, one, of the, one of the things is, and I agree with you, a lot of the public understands. They, of course, don't know how to rally together. That's why organized labor is jumping in here to be a voice for the, for, you know, for the middle class people. Um, and, and, the, and we've been told many times on issues, and I'll bring it up again with the PES refinery here when it was shut down because one unit was, was, was down out of 33 was that the environmental left is making all the noise. Uh, the, the, the people are starting to learn and, 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 and understand the issues, no question about it. Uh, but the media... The narrative that the media is creating, and you said something, uh, you know, uh, uh, about what their motive might be. That, uh, to me, that's a great, a great point. And you people can talk all the conspiracy theories they want. Guess what? There's an agenda there, and and it, things don't just because we're shutting down, or they'd like to shut down all of our own natural resources, doesn't mean we don't need them. We need them. We need them, and we're going to import them, and I guess that's okay. It doesn't make sense, John, and your point is is, is well made, and you m- mentioned Marcel Michel. Um, talk about that and how we get the policymakers to jump on board and start to, to start not, not to back down to the environmental left and make common-sense decisions that are going to impact America across the board. Well, I mean, there's uh, voting is, you know, for, for the candidates that understand it. Uh, that, that our support of, of uh, domestic energy uh, is, you know, one way that, that, that any any person can can do, you know, supporting those organizations, uh, whether it's um, supporting you guys, you know, that you're on the air, you're publicizing it, you're a key component of this, supporting other uh, outlets to do that, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's in the I'll have to say our industry isn't necessarily the greatest at communicating, but part of that's because they're handicapped, you know, they don't get the opportunity to voice their, their views. Um, instead, they're giving the opportunity to people that don't know anything about energy. I mean, it, it boggles my mind that you have some 15-year-old from, from Sweden, you know, talking about energy policy, and, and, and we're listening to somebody like that, and we ignore people that are extremely smart out there uh, that, that, are, that are not politically motivated but just want to do the right thing. I'll tell you what, one book I recommend that anybody should read is a book called Unsettled. Uh, by uh, by a, a Coonan, Steve Coonan, who was a former uh, Obama administration Energy Department official, um, probably uh, probably generally on the left side of the spectrum, but he talks about the whole climate change debate. But I highly recommend that book. Uh, it explains it in very very in somewhat uh, technical terms, but, but somewhat simplified terms. How this this worry about carbon is is overblown and overstated. Uh, and it, you know, sure, carbon has some impact on on global warming, but the adaptability is is really the way to go. And there's so many things that the oil industry itself is doing to limit their carbon impact. 
and the, to ju- just jump to unreliable energy sources like wind and, and solar and things like that just don't make sense. I'll, I'll point out one thing uh, that, that happens when you do those kind of things. We see in the United States, we saw it recently in Europe, when wind stopped blowing this last winter, hmm. uh, they, they lost power even before the Russian invasion. Energy prices soared in Europe because they lost their wind power. It's something that you can't uh, you can't you can't plan on solar and wind to be reliable. You need backup from some sources like uh, natural gas and, and oil and um, you know ultimately nuclear. I mean, I'm I'm an oil guy, but I think nuclear is really the solution to uh, clean uh, energy, uh, clean electricity production. John Hours joining us here with great stuff on the Labor and Energy Show. John, real quick, the name. Of the book again of your of your suggestion uh, name title and author again of that just so we can put it back yeah, out there I like it by Steve Coonan great great book great book I'll tell you what there's so much there and 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 everything you're talking about in the education people don't realize and we've said it every week and we're probably saying is he it. a potential guest for the show uh, Jay Duck he might right be he right yeah absolutely damn right I think is. he'd be a great guest for you he's written um, editorials in the Wall Street Journal he's been a he's a very prominent guy he came from BP as their uh, really their green energy uh, guy he's got multiple degrees just an expert in so many areas and uh, he'd be a fantastic guest for y'all. Yeah, you know, uh, John, we want to thank you so much for being our guest. It won't be the last time. This has been a fantastic segment. There's so much here, more to more to talk about. Uh, I want to thank uh, John Hours, Executive Vice President, Turner Mason Company, uh, who is a well-known and respected industry analyst and advisor for being on the Labor and Energy Show this week. John, we can't thank you enough for your time, and we look forward to having you back again, my friend. It's, my, it's been my pleasure. I'd love to be back. There, like you said, there's so much to talk about on this issue. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff from John Hours. J-Doc and I will roll along. This is the Labor and Energy Show. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know there are 6,000 products made from petroleum that we use every day? Products like candles, trash bags, fishing rods, shower curtains, paint, umbrellas, tennis rackets, and another 5,993. Did you know? What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. Great stuff, J. Doc, from John Hours in the previous uh, segment. We are going to continue uh, to keep that dialogue open with John. It was fantastic I mean, it segment. Opens up, Very educational for the public. Right. It, 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 it opens up so many cans of worms and things we talk about on a weekly basis. Um, and you know, we, we you know we're, we're continuing the the the, the uh, information education uh, across the board from every level. By the way, I do want to use that opportunity. There was a reference in the previous segment to Marcella Shale. Sure. Uh, coming up, programming alert, programming reminder. You did mention it in the previous segment. Uh, we'll have the CEO from Marcella Shale uh, joining us in two weeks, I believe. Uh, more information on that as we wrap everything up with yep. him. Dave Callahan. And uh, with, so without. Further ado, I'm, I'm ecstatic to bring into the program uh, Dan Cosner, business manager, IBEW Local 351 in South Jersey. Dan, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me today. So, I mean, it, it's great to have you. And one of the things we like to, you know, the perspective we like to have on on the broadcast as the Labor and Energy Show um, is we want to we want to not it was spotlight showcase our, our 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 labor unions and our labor leaders. Um, and, and talk about, you know, the workforce uh, that we provide. We just did a, uh, a, a segment with John Hours, who's a, an acclaimed uh, consultant uh, in the energy in the industry. And one of the things John talked about was the, the re- one of the reasons why we're better than everybody else across the board 
is because of our workforce. Talk about that, you know, in, in regards to, not, you know, you guys do it all. Obviously, you, 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 you work at the refineries and in, in the energy sector and, of course, on, on, on regular jobs across the area. But talk about the, the, the quality trained um, employers, employees that we have. It's a big statement, Jay Doc. It's a big statement. It is. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, my membership is just over, just this has had over 2,200. And, you know, we, we do anywhere from 2 million to 3 million man hours a year. And, you know, we, we were all over, you know, all over the map per se with casino work or refinery work, nuclear power plants, hospitals, schools, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, our, our workforce is a continuing education workforce. You know, our apprenticeship program is five years right now, but uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg because most of our, our members continue education because, you know, as things evolve, we got to evolve with it. And again, you know, the building trades in general, I'm also the building trades president in, in Southern New Jersey. And, you know, all the trades know that. I mean, we, we, you know, with things that change and technology, I mean, we got to adapt to it to, to be the most productive, to be able to get the jobs and do them efficiently, especially, you know, just even since COVID and all, I mean, you know, materials are off the charts and, you know, I, we just, we provide that, you know, the, the skilled labor force and, and the knowledgeable labor force that can get these projects done on time and efficiently and safely. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you mentioned the apprentice programs and, and that's our life's blood in a lot of ways. And, um, the, these, these, for, for listeners that don't understand or have never, um, you know, thought about apprenticeships and, 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 uh, delved into them. Um, these are in many cases, uh, then, you know, in, you get college credits. I mean, and they're, and they're, they're, you said a five-year apprentice program, uh, with, with all types of education there. Um, and, and, and who's that, who are they paid for by Dan? In other words, we pay for them. They're not government subsidized, correct? Oh no, not at all. You, you mean that the, our apprenticeship program? Yes, correct. Well, they they are paid with with most of the trades, and us. I can speak for us. You know, the electricians. We have um, the money that comes out uh, from the contractors that um, runs the. We call it the JTC, which is the joint apprenticeship training uh, facility and the contractors are partners with us. And, you know, when we negotiate our wages, um, you know, the contractors are good enough to, you know, we might get a, whatever, 3% raise, but they might add, you know, a nickel or a dime to add to the apprenticeship program. So it, it's fully funded just by us working and, you know, our partnership with the contractors as well. So it's all funded just in-house through, you know, we're not, we don't get any subsidies. Once in a while you'll get a grant, um, but grants have kind of went away lately. They used to be a big thing 15 years ago, but no, it's all funded by us and um, negotiated money with the contractor. And Dan, just to put a, put a bigger picture on what that means, you fast forward from that training process into John Auer's statement in the previous segment to be able to make the workforce is the is the best trained workforce and is the reason um, that the company can operate as the best in the world. Oh, no, I'm no. paraphrasing his statement, he didn't, but that's the point. Yeah, he was saying not the company, but the industry. We're the biggest and best in the world because of our workforce. And it's because of our apprentice programs and our labor unions that work so hard at training. John, uh, you, Dan, you mentioned the, the scope of work. You, you talked about refining. Wineries. You, 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 you talked about the, the casinos. Obviously, built you know just building uh, projects uh, in, in in the region in in, in the city uh, across the board. Uh, what, what labor unions do and nuclear as well. Let's you know, let's talk about um, the energy sector and, and Paulsboro would be a good example. Okay, um, the Paulsboro refinery um, a year and a half ago or, or what in 2020, um, half of it you know, was shut down. And talk about what the impact that that has on 
And it was shut down for a variety of reasons, the pandemic being one, uh, a number of other areas where, you know, when you have the environmental left that is, um, it's, it's, it's the blind leading the blind in a lot of areas. And, and, but they're screaming like mad about the environment, like we don't care about it. Talk about um, what that impact has on a community. Well, yeah, that, that's, Guys, that's an easy one. I mean, you know, and I'm going to segue. I've talked about Paulsburg, but, you know, I'll segue to all the refineries sure. and, and, and places along along the river there, all the way down to the nuke. I mean, you know, that was that's a facility that, you know, I, I've been in the local. I started in the late 80s in my apprenticeship. And those refineries on our side of the bridge, on the other side of the bridge, I mean, they've been, a, a let's say, a stronghold because, we always had people there full time. So there were some of our members that worked there and still do um, work on some of them refineries full time. So they never leave there. And then they also have the outages and upgrades and, you know, uh, the different things that occur throughout um, that they, they take more manpower and, and, and employ more people. And some, you know, some of those folks get laid off, right? They're not there all the time, but they were, no matter what was happening, whether there wasn't any schoolwork or there wasn't any retail or the casinos weren't getting built, you know, places like that. And I also add the nuclear powerhouse, the nuclear powerhouse, you have two outages a year, one in the fall, one in the spring, and they happen no matter what. Right. And, you know, COVID didn't stop them. And, you know, again, to segue back to the, the refineries are the same venue, you know, they're, places that employ people full-time and then they also you know man up the workforce per se to um you know build build out new areas or upgrade them or just keep them you know update and and and, and safe so that's a big impact on us you know because and i'll say it again even when there's no casinos getting built those refineries and nuclear powerhouses they're always there and they're always doing some kind of work in some way. So that was a really hurt us bad. I mean, uh, and, you know, I cover a big area. I mean, you know, our, our area goes, like I said, from Atlantic City to Trenton. And, you know, people know it. Like, those jobs, some people, and sometimes they're not the best of jobs because, you know, they're they're outside in the cold weather and all, but they're jobs, and, and they're always there. So yeah, um, and it's a big it, impact on us. And it's interesting that there's so many different reasons um, why uh, the refineries are, are, are getting shut down. And, and, and a lot of them uh, are, you know, one of the things that I mentioned, obviously, because, because politically speaking, we're getting, we're getting beat up uh, by the, by the, and we're, listen, I'm a Democrat. I'm, I'm passionate about labor and, and, and all those things, but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there's so many other issues. Do our members understand um, the issues that the refinery sector that provides us with those type of jobs, what the, what the challenges are for them uh, on a daily basis? Well, we're trying to educate them uh, with that. You know, um, I, I think I think they're starting to. And, you know, you got to you got to educate them because, you know, when we start talking about the written credits and everything, you know, even my guys that work there and, and the billing trades in general, they didn't they weren't always aware of all that. You know, they just went to the job. I mean, you know, I you know, I. It, it, it's like that. You got to keep them educated. You got to get them involved um, because a lot of those folks live in the communities also there that, you know, uh, got to get involved to keep things going. And, and, you know, it's just like the, I said, the, our contractors, our team with the training, well, you know, our, our members got to get, you know, really involved and, and stay in tune with, you know, what's got to be done and to keep these places going. And, and it's interesting because, um, first of all, that's a very complicated issue, number one. So uh, you, you walk outside your house, you go talk to 25 of your neighbors. If one of them knows and understands it, uh, you know, it, it, you'd be amazed. But having said that, even our political leaders who support us typically on a lot of uh, issues, labor-related issues, uh, need to be educated. And I think they need our support in regards to a lot of energy sector uh, situations because they get so much backlash from, you know, the environmental left, okay? Like, we don't, like we don't care about the environment. Talk about how we, we give them support and, and, and on these issues. Well, I mean, you know, we, we, you're talking mainly the, like the, 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 the political folks, Yes, right? exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, again, we, you know, 
we, we have to make those folks understand. And, you know, I deal with them all the time. Like, you know, it, it you gotta, you, you gotta use, use your sense. I mean, you know, everybody worries about the, 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 the pollution and, you know, what it's going to do to the environment and all. And, you know, we got to be cognizant of that and we got to, you know, keep our eyes and, and, and focus on that. But yep. at the same time, we, you can't just uh, shut things down over it. And the, you know, the other thing is sometimes it gets blown way out of proportion. I mean, you know, um, it's just like, and I keep on, I know we're talking about the refineries, mostly, sure. but just like the nuke, you know, um, yep. there's people that think that that place is like a ticking time bomb. And, in my opinion, that's the cleanest, the uh, most reliable energy going, you know. And the, the, like I said, it's the same with the refineries. It's just like that's that's the, the, the sometimes the uh, you know the best best kept secret, right? And people just don't get it. So well, you know, and, we got to make sure our political folks understand that. And when we're supporting them, they can't come out and say, "Well, we're supporting clean energy and we want to shut down plants." So that's yeah, and, not what we want to hear. So and, and, they can't have our no, no, I get yeah, it. Amen to a, amen to that, J Duck. You know, I've been saying this on on the labor show uh, every weekend. I've sure. been saying it, 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 it. That's an absolute must. I, absolutely, and one of the things that a lot of people have been saying, Dan, in that last per- minute, J Duck. Well, it, it, in particular, is we do it cleaner and better here in the United States. Okay, and educating the politicians along with the general public and our members to to to, to these facts. Um, and I think what happens is we're getting we, we're getting outvoiced in the general public by a an extreme element of individuals that, like I said before, wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And your point is made um, really well. Dan Costa joining, joining us here. Dan, I'll give you last word. Thirty seconds till till we let you get back to work. Um, I'll give you last word of the segment. All right. Well, like I said, I just um, appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk today. And again, um, you know, we just uh, we want to we want to wrap everything up. Right. We you know, we want to we're concerned about the environment. We, we want to make things safe. Um, we don't want to pollute the area, but we also got to keep our membership working. And, you know, some of the places that are getting shut down and getting, you know, hurt and it's hurting us and it's it, it, it's hurting the, the working men and women that, you know, we represent on a daily basis. So um, just got to work together. I always say, I say to my membership, it's a team. Um, and we got to be a team and, and, and keep things going in the right direction. And if I heard you right during this uh, short segment, Dan, your tenure goes back to the 80s, which means you are well well experienced, sir. Well done. And he couldn't have said it better yeah. at the, at, right there at the end. Working together, making it happen. And by the way, like Dan just said, we care about the environment, too. So, Dan, yeah. I, I want to thank you so much, obviously, for joining us on, on, on the Labor and Energy Show. Uh, fantastic segment, my friend. Keep doing what you're doing for your members. Um, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Good stuff from Dan Casso. J-Doc and Al take a quick break. Back on the other side with the Labor and Energy Show. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast for potential clients and customers, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428 and ask for this radio special. Our partnership will enhance your business and your social media presence. Guaranteed. That's right. Guaranteed. And your monthly cost? As low as $500. Plus, you'll work with a 38-year media veteran and a Jacob Media team that dominates on YouTube and utilizes a bucket of assets that will support your professional podcast. All for the low monthly cost of $500. Call Jacob Media right now at 267 261 3428. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show, J Doc, just 90 seconds until we say goodbye. But I wanted to do you and I to do a quick recap today. Really good show. I don't mean to say that to pat ourselves on the back. I just want the audience to know to listen and to be open to the narrative and the conversation. We're going to educate you here on the Labor and Energy Show. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and, and we and we want to educate people, but we all also, in a lot of ways, want to wake them up, man. 
and, 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 and talk about reality. You listen to John Hours. You listen to uh, um, Dan Costner. Of course, Adam Gattuso, our guest this week. And you learn that this industry has a major conscience. We, that it, not, we're not just here uh, pushing our jobs at the expense of the environment and, and uh, people's lives and our futures. We're not. But that's the narrative that's been thrown at us, Joe. And it's been thrown at us every day. And finally, people like us are just sitting there going with a voice, are just sitting there saying, guess what? Enough is enough. We care about the environment. We want to, we can do it safer and better here in the U.S. Okay, we can control our situation with the emissions here in the U.S. We can improve. We have all kinds, we're going to talk about carbon capture in, in the near future with great in, experts in the industry. And uh, we hope people are getting the big picture. And nobody said it better than Dan Costa. We want to work together with the environmental left, with the politicians to make it a better America, to make it a better world, a cleaner world, a safer world, but also to maintain our energy independence so that we can supply the world. We, 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 we heard what John Auer said about what's going over there in Russia and, and the fact that we're able to supply resources to Europe and, and, and to the Ukraine, and therefore Russia can't sit there and, and hold everybody by the you-know-what hostage. So there's a lot going on here. We hope the people are getting the picture, and we can't wait to continue, brother. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'll leave with this, and you can chime in for 15 seconds if you'd like, but um, we've got a great lineup of guests coming up uh, over the next six months starting this month into the summer months and then getting ready to kick off for what's going to be a fantastic fall. We're going to be on the road. Um, You're now working and we're working directly with the Boilermakers, the international group. So we've got some great stuff happening there. Um, Really, really good stuff as we continue to evolve. And we are getting ready to launch our social media campaign so we can push the narrative. Absolutely, Joe. I mean, we're going to we're going to, uh, you know, cover the gamut, brother. I mean, we're ecstatic to have the Boilermakers National Union on board. We're, insta- we, you know, uh, steam fitters, uh, you know, all the other unions that are that are jumping on. And, of course, the energy companies, all with the commitment to educate and educate and change the narrative to a reality narrative so that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and we have a better uh, United States of America. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.